Hi, this is Brent Hilming, and thanks for tuning in to part two of how to prepare yourself during the week for worship. In this section, we'll cover embracing the how. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's talk now about walking in the how and talking about three key components or three key activities involved in preparation during the week. And the first one will be seeking direction from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to actually put that in the category of prayer. I'm going to mix, mix those together because I see those as synonymous there. Um, and then the second will be strengthening ourselves in the Word and personal devotion. And the third is soaking in God's presence and participating in lifestyle worship. Because it's three, these three key activities that actually create the well from which we draw and develop the worship set and the flow and the direction. And then it's how we hear God and gain his heart for his people. And again, just as I was relating just a minute ago, I, I found personally a direct correlation between the quality of worship that I, that I lead or that I've been involved in leading and the depth and the level or the consistency of the preparation during that week leading up to it. There's been a direct quali- you know, correlation between the quality and the quality by that, I mean not just musically, but I mean God's presence and, and, and people really effectively being able to enter into worship. So let's take a look at the first um, key activity, the first key component, which is seeking direction from the Holy Spirit in and through prayer, primarily. And you know, it's, it's important to note right off the top that worship is impossible without the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me unwrap that statement a little bit. Um, let me do it first by reading out of John chapter 4. Take a look at John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. This is during that conversation of Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. And this is kind of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the high point of that interaction here as, God, as Jesus brings it all together. And he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So, I mean, this is the recipe, one of the key texts in the New Testament here that God gives, you know, the recipe of, of, how, of acceptable worship, worship in spirit and truth, for that is the kind of worship that God is seeking. Okay, he's seeking worshipers. Actually, is what the text says is that he's seeking worshipers who will worship and who must then worship in spirit and truth. And it's important that, as I want to take a look at spirit and truth here, the word spirit there is not, this is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about our spirit. It's talking about that internal spirit, that heart, the integrity, the authenticity of that, that inward with emotions. And it's talking about that part of us, that, that inner part. And, and so we might just be able to skip over that and think it's just about us, but we need to tie, you know, Scripture, scripture is connected throughout the, the, the entire Bible and, and uh, has to be consistent. So we need to look at the principles that build upon one another and tie into each other. In John chapter 3, so just, just a chapter beforehand in verse 6, it says this, in, this interesting statement. It says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit, and the word there, spirit, means Holy Spirit, okay? So, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit. 
our spirit, okay? The spirit there that it's talking about in John chapter 4. So basically what that's saying is that it's the Holy Spirit touching our lives, indwelling us, giving birth, is that, that concept of giving birth, giving life to our spirits that then enables us to be able to do what Jesus is talking about here in, in John chapter 4, worship in spirit and truth. So without the Holy Spirit, authentic and acceptable worship that God is seeking is not possible without that work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so it's important for us then to, to ask God to come and, and ask the Holy Spirit then to be a part of our, of our preparation during the week, of preparing our hearts, of leading us. And so what does the Holy Spirit do then? I mean, what is that about? And John, again, I, what I love about the book of John is John, the book, it, it, it gives so much commentary on itself throughout the whole book. Um, it, it's, I, I, gosh, I, I love studying it. And John chapter 6, verse 63 says, well, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives life. The words, then this is Jesus saying, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give us life by revealing to us the words spoken, okay? Jesus himself, Jesus' words, Jesus' life, Jesus' activity. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to do that, okay? That's John chapter 6, verse, six, um, verse 63, and then in John 16, verses 13 through 14, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, and that means that there's this Holy Spirit, when he comes, the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So this is Jesus speaking again of the Holy Spirit that he was going to pour out on his people. He says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth and bring glory to me. By taking from what is, is mine, meaning taking that what is from Jesus, what is from God the Father and from Jesus, and giving it to us, okay, showing us, revealing us God. Okay, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. So, man, if we're thinking about preparing our hearts to be involved in this activity, this incredible grand transaction of worship that is giving glory unto God, which is the very thing that he created us to do, then we should be praying and seeking during the week that the Holy Spirit would help us do that. The Holy Spirit would reveal God, would reveal His heart to us as we head towards Sunday morning or as we head towards that worship event. And, and, and prayer is the vital connection to the Spirit and the invitation of His ongoing work in our lives. I mean, look at, look at what Matthew 7 encourages us to do. I mean, this is a familiar verse that we've all, we've all heard before. Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 11, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he gives this example of like, of course God's going to give us these things, particularly when it's something as incredible as the gift of, you know, of the Holy Spirit showing us and revealing in us Jesus and preparing us to, um, to, to live life and giving us truth and enabling us to bring glory to God. As these other verses in John just shared, shared. Here's, here's the example in verse 9. Which of you... If his son asks for bread, would give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake. If then you who are evil, which just means us fleshly humans, you know, 
If you, if, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know? In other words, of course God will give you the Holy Spirit and will, um, will bring the Holy Spirit to reveal more about God and more about himself. What a great way to prepare. Pray. And as we get into chapter or the, the third section here, you will talk about some specific focuses and some specific ways for us to, to, to pray and, and uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us with in that regard. Um, and um, uh, well, and let, let me just give you one more example um, on this in the Holy Spirit. From in Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 19, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, which, that are the, again, the word is Holy Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. When it says, instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit, or be filled by the Spirit, um, in the NIV, which I'm using here, there's a period. The King James actually translates this, I think, far better, which gives it a semicolon. So there's an ongoing, it's not separate thoughts. It's, a, it's an ongoing stream of thought here. So it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak to one another. And that, that word actually should be translated as an ongoing present tense verb. So it's speaking, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So one of the 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 outcomes of the overflows of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, is, is this thing of worship flowing out of us. Worship becomes the overflow then of the filling of the Spirit, of, of the Holy Spirit working in us, revealing Jesus, revealing God's words, making known to us God. The outflow of that of then, that is worship. I mean, which, that just makes sense, doesn't it? The more we, we have revealed to us about God, we see how more incredible God is the more glory we'd want to give to him. We recognize his worth and we give the glory back. I mean, that's an incredible thing. So we need to be praying. That's one of the key components is that we should pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would, would fill us and teach us all things, just like the scripture says. So a second key component or a second main activity then is strengthening ourselves in the word or personal devotion. And an important passage on the, the aspect of God and worship, which we already touched on, is this John, you know, in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, where, um, again, I'll, let me just read it again. You know, time is coming and now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's the prescription, again, for the kind of worship that God's seeking. Spirit, which we had just talked about, okay? Us, internal integrity, the, the, the inner man, our hearts connected to God, and in authenticity is involved in that as well. And then truth. And, and truth basically is meaning worshiping within an appropriate and adequate, adequate view of God. You know, look, there's Colossians, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, comma, and continuous thought, not a separate thought here, continuous thought, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and as 
You sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So there is this connection we have with being filled with the Word, letting Christ, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly, which, by the way, is the role of the Holy Spirit when we ask Him to do that. That's one of the very things and the fruit that the Holy Spirit would bring into our lives, is that the Word would dwell in us richly. We just covered that. As you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, and... Um, Again, I'm going to quote Bob Coughlin here. He just uh, has a, a really unique and and very good way of, of synthesizing things down into some very just poignant quotes. Um, and he has said that worship is ascribing worth to all that God is, all that he has done, all that he will do and desires to do, and then reflecting upon how these realities affect our past, present, and future. It's all about God's glory. And how do we find out and how do we ascribe worth to all that God is, all that he's done and all that he will do? How do, how do we know these things? How do, how do we learn these things? It's revealed to us in his word. That's one of the primary places. It's revealed to us in his word. So we as worship leaders, we, we need to be continually immersing ourselves in the word, learning and embracing and treasuring the realities that are revealed there in the scripture and getting them into our own hearts. Because I, I submit this to you that our worship will only be as, as, as deep and dynamic as our understanding of who God is. So it's our job as worship leaders to prepare a song set and a flow of worship or a direction of worship that calls appropriate attention to God and His greatness. And the Word, as well as the Spirit, is a key building block in helping us do that effectively. So one of the key components we, we, we must include in preparing ourselves is time spent in the Word. And again, when we move to the, this next section, the, the, the final section here, we'll talk about some practical ways to get that done. Because one of the things we're not talking about, this bears saying right here, is we're not talking about trying to find a ritualistic, hyper-spiritual way here. I know that we're talking about just core disciplines, prayer, the word, you know, um, prayer and meditation, the word, you know, um, spending time uh, in God's soaking in God's presence. I mean, those are just, just key basic kind of Christian 101 disciplines here, but I'm not going to trying to sell us on, on just this, on a, on a dead orthodoxy of just spiritual, um, you know, maintenance, slugging it out here. There has to be life involved in these activities. And, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, so with that being said, let, let me move on to um, what I'll submit to us as, as the third kind of key activity, the third key component here for um, how we prepare ourselves. Okay, so there, there's prayer, there's um, strengthening ourselves in the Word, and this is soaking in God's presence. And um, I can put in parentheses there, you could say lifestyle worship. Um, Psalm 34 one through three says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. The afflicted, the afflicted hear and rejoice. And glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I mean, these are one of these verses, you see these through the Psalms and, um, you know, and throughout scripture and, and we, can, we can gloss over it pretty quickly. But it says, extol the Lord when? At 
all times, not just on Monday, not just on Sunday while we're leading worship or just the few minutes before when we get together and pray as a team. Hopefully you're getting together and praying as a team before you go up (laughs) there. Um, But extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming that your life is like mine, but um, there are things that happen during the week or in and out of life that sometimes can make it difficult that right in the midst of that, praise is not what's just jumping off of my lips or praising the Lord at all times. So this is something, a verse like this and a concept that we should soak in God's presence, that there's lifestyle worship, that in all that we do, we should be allowing worship to emanate from us to the Lord. I mean, this is something that I need to hold in front of me all the time and remind myself about this all the time because it's so easy to to get focused on the busyness of life, or the craziness of our schedule, or the frustration of certain events. Um, I happen to be a, a parent, and so you know, there's times with dealing with my kids, I can get caught up in the in the uh, the frustration of an event or what's what's happened, or you know, a need for discipline or correction or or whatever, and forget to still be in a place of having praise always be on my lips and and approaching those situations in a way of that is worshipful and God-honoring. So we need to hold that within our hearts and our minds. And one of the reasons why is that, I mean, just from, the, from a biblical concept, there is no separation between, you know, the body, soul, and spirit, meaning that it's not like we have this secular life and then this spiritual life. Although sometimes it, it, it seems like that's how it is for us, but in reality it shouldn't be that way. I mean we're we're whole and we're integrated. I like to I like to use the analogy of of, of a bicycle wheel. Um, if those of you that have ri- have have ridden a bicycle, um, there was a time in my life where I used to do a lot of uh, a lot of bike riding and, and training for triathlons and and so the bicycle wheel and it had all these spokes on it and these spokes held a certain tension and stayed at a certain right tension or right place and if that was happening then the wheel rolled rolled as it was supposed to we call that rolling true the wheel was true and true and it, and it rolled straight no wobble in it but when any of the tension on a, on a handful of those spokes or a couple of those spokes began to to get off or loosen up it would begin to affect the whole wheel now the wheel would still you know wobble unless you were really way out of whack you know it would still wobble but it would affect you know, it would absolutely um, cause the effectiveness of the wheel to diminish. And that's how it is with our life. When there's, when there's areas of our life that are just out of sync, if we're not spending time soaking God's presence, incorporating this prayer and the word, and, and, um, and, and obviously I've, I've moved off of just preparing for worship here, but it, it applies very well to the specific task of preparing for worship during the week. That if our life is out of sync, the the wheel of our life is going to become untrue and it'll start wobbling. And then we'll have to give some attention to those to those spokes, to those certain disciplines or those certain areas of our life and kind of tighten them all up. And um, you know, w- one of the key aspects of this is that, you know, we can't lead the congregation, we can't, at least we can't lead them effectively. We can't lead them where we haven't gone. If we haven't spent time with God, if we haven't worshipped ourselves, if we haven't, 
you know, been in the practice of worshiping and understand the dynamics that happen of meeting with, of, of meeting God or singing to God or of giving glory to God, we can't effectively lead others in that ourselves. Another analogy would be like a mountain guide. I mean, if you're going to go up and climb Everest and, and, and you know you need to get to the peak of Everest, you know, and so you need to get the peak of Everest would represent the, the place of, of, um, of really connecting with God in the midst of this worship, of really effectively leading the people to that place. You need it, and we as worship leaders then would be analogous, or um, we'd be the mountain guide in this analogy. You want a mountain guide, you know, the people are going to want a mountain guide and need a mountain guide that have been up and down the mountain a bit. You know, that, that, that have a plan, a strategic plan for how to get up there, okay? They're intentional about where they're going, and, and they've prepared, and they've planned, and they know what pitfalls probably are going to be up if we go this way, or things to avoid this way, or, or helpful ways to get through this way. I mean, we make those decisions in the midst of our worship set all the time, right? move on to this song. Should we pause and wait here? Um, should we repeat this verse? Should we repeat this chorus? You know, what song, you know, all those decisions we make much like a mountain guide would make. Okay. So the effective mountain guides and the effective worship leaders then are the ones that have been there and done that. And I don't mean that specific set for that Sunday. I mean, spend time with God. So when you're, when you're on that journey on Sunday morning, when you're leading them into worship, um, you, you know where you're going. You know what this feels like. You, you've been here before. You've sensed the presence of the Lord. You're comfortable with it. You know, you're not, you're not kind of freaked out or whatever. I, I think you get the analogy of what I'm trying to say. And John Owen, in his book, um, The Glory of Christ, uh, he has said this, that where the light of revelation, okay, of, of God revealing himself, is not accompanied by spiritual experience and power in our souls, Okay, so not just head, he's talking about head and heart, which, by the way, is the same connection of spirit and truth. Okay, so this quote is talking about the exact thing that John chapter 4, that Jesus is imploring us, worship in spirit and truth. This is what he's saying, it just in a different way. Where the light of revelation, truth, is not accompanied by spiritual experience and power in our souls, okay, that would be um, spirit, then it will end in either outward formality or atheism. Let me read that again. Where the light of revelation is not accompanied by spiritual experience and the power in our souls, then it will end in outward formality or atheism. And we could easily slip into just outward formality because we know all the ins and outs in the church lingo or the Christian lingo and the Christian mannerisms and we know how to lead worship. And, and honestly, I've been there. I've actually led a worship set before where I feel like it was really divorced from from the heart of what God was doing. And it was just songs and it was just formality. And, you know, it was put together musically well and it flowed okay, you know, just because of some of the dynamics of music. I could tell that there really wasn't the heart of God in it. And and I'm sure others did as well. And it, and it was dead. It was dead. As opposed to those times you've led worship where there's been life and you it's been the right songs at the right time with the right exhortation or the right encouragement from your heart, the right theme, themes, theme of the worship set or of the songs for that time, because God poured that out and you heard him and you were preparing your heart during the week and you saw him and you had been there. You know what I'm saying? 
there's life in that, and it's so much more than just the dead orthodoxy or just the just the ritualistic thing. So when I'm talking about these three things of prayer, of the word, of spending time in God's presence, <clears throat> I'm not saying that these are just the, the keys. You do this, you're guaranteed, boom, 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 this, this, this. It's 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 not, you know, it's not a works. I'm not a I'm not um trying to lift up works as a way for us to get there. I'm talking about life and spiritual life. And I'm talking about sowing seeds of devotion and not duty, not duty, devotion. But these are the exact same keys. You can do these things and develop a life of duty and it could lead to frustration for you and you would just feel like it's sterile and dead. Or these keys, prayer, the word, soaking in his presence can fuel a life of devotion and it can lead to life and richness and incredible times of worship and that's what we're after i mean that's that's why we're preparing because god's zealous for his glory he created us for his glory worship is a primary vehicle through which that glory is shown and given back to the lord This presentation is part of the teaching and worship ministry of Brent Helming. Additional resources are available at www.brenthelming.com. We'd like to give a special thanks to Mark Griffo for the original music featured on this podcast, and thank you again for tuning in.